song has a great message. It's great, great dance, great worship. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I always think I'm going to sit down, but I rarely do, but just in case. I think somebody really likes that song. I keep hearing it. Like, <laughs> is that my cue to dance? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Well, I will tell you this. I try to practice what I preach and what I teach. And This week I was in my office and there was something on my wall. I wasn't sure what it was on my wall. Is that a bug or something? So... I get up there and I wiggle in between my, my uh, chair and the end table. And it's real tight. And so I look up there and it's just a little hole in the wall. When I start to turn around, my foot gets caught and the stuff doesn't want to move. And I mean, in, in like a millisecond, I'm just like lying on the ground. I, thought, I wish I would have been a little more limber. Now I'm lying on the ground and I've just practiced what I preached. I said, the Bible says rejoice always. So I said, thank you, Lord. Nothing feels like it's permanently injured. Thank you, Lord. We're to pray always. So I just laid there and prayed for a little bit. And then I said, and give thanks in all circumstances. So I couldn't think of what to thank him for, for being on the ground, but I did thank him that I didn't. You, you, seriously, there is an age that you get. It's, I think it's about 20. So uh, where you, when you fall or trip or twist yourself and you don't break something, you go, Ooh, praise God. So I had some time to thank the Lord for that. So, but I was watching Alexis. And I think if maybe I was a little more limber and agile, I may not have ended up on the floor. But, you know, when you end up on the floor, I agree totally with what John Maxwell taught. Pick something up while you're down there and then, you know, get up and go forward. Amen. Well, we're talking about Advent today. And I want to talk about what Advent is because it's not a, a term that we use a whole lot. And in a lot of church traditions, the Advents every year, there's an Advent wreath, there's Advent candles, there's, there's all that. And many of you may be familiar with that, and some of you may not be. So I just want to talk about that. I want to look at, let's, let's see what Advent is about. This is just a, a dictionary definition. And if you get the TV on back there, that'd be great. Um, Advent means coming or arrival. So this Christmas season, we're talking about a coming and an arrival of the Lord. The second thing, and, and this is, again, just like a dictionary definition if you looked up the word Advent, it says the period preceding Christmas being on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. Christmas actually falls on the fifth Sunday, so it's kind of special this year, but this is still the first Sunday of Advent. The fourth Sunday before Christmas, observed by many Christians as, and I thought this must be an old tradition. It's, it's observed as a season for prayer, that one I can believe. It's the next one that tripped me up a little bit. Fasting. I don't know anybody through the Christmas season that says, let's just fast, man. Let's just, we're going we're gonna to go without food. So, but it used to be a season of prayer and fasting and repentance. And so then the, the, the most Christian definition is the coming of Jesus at the incarnation. Now, again, it's not every day that you and I use the word incarnation. So you may say, what in the world is that? Incarnation means becoming human or embodiment. When, when God, by the way, I want you to know this, the Bible says God's a spirit. The Bible says God is not a man, he's a spirit. But 
one day the Word, who is God, was God, is God, wrapped himself in a human body. That's the incarnation. That's being incarnate. You'll sing that word in your Christmas hymns, not in the Christmas songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but the Christmas hymns, those gospel hymns, you'll sing the word incarnate in some of them. You may have always wondered, what in the world does that mean? Well, that means the embodiment. God clothed himself in a human body and came to dwell among us. And so the Advent is celebrating this arrival, this coming of Jesus. So if you've ever had a wreath, uh, done an Advent wreath with Advent candles and and, but I'm just curious, this is not, you're, you're not deemed more spiritual or less spiritual, but is, does anybody ever, as a tradition in your home, do the Advent wreath with, with candles and light candles? Okay, there's one. Anybody, anybody else? Okay, anybody, uh, and again, this, I'm just curious, is, is there anybody here who said, this, this is the first time I even heard of Advent and Advent candles and Advent wreaths, is that, you can raise your hand. By the way, it doesn't mean, I'm an ignorant no, it's different tradition, different things. So several of you have never heard of that before, and that's, that's okay. I hadn't heard of it. We, we weren't raised in a church that did the Advent wreath and Advent candles, so first time I heard it, I thought, what are they talking about? But this, the first candle of, of Advent represents hope. Hope. Think about what Alexis was saying and sharing. This, this need for hope. This, it's so important that we have hope. Hope's hard to live without. Many of us have never had an extended season of hopelessness. And I pray you never do. It's awful to be in a season of hopelessness. When Darlene was struggling with trigeminal neuralgia, just never knowing when is it going to hit again, when is the pain going to be there, when is it going to end, it actually, she had spurts of hopelessness. And man, we got a new compassion for people who are struggling with any long-term thing, doesn't even have to be physical things, any long-term thing because... Hope can seem to dissipate when it just goes on and on and on. And maybe you're here with that problem today. And so we're going to look at what the solution is. So have you ever felt hopeless? Do you feel hopeless today? Well, I hope that you'll really receive the remedy for hopelessness. And the remedy is our Savior. Amen. I was talking to a guy here at the church who had been sick for a solid year. And he, he told me he's well now, but he told me, he said, it wasn't so much the pain. The pain was bad. He said it was absolutely bad. It was horrible. But the real pain was the hopelessness of not knowing, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? He said, if I could have went to the doctor and they would have said, yeah, this, this is such and such, and you're going to struggle with this pain and this illness for, for nine months, and then, you know, it'll just disappear. That's the pattern for this. He would have said, okay, nine months, I can mark that on my calendar. You know what I mean? I can, I can, I can stick this out for for three months, six months, nine months, a year, whatever. But to have a sense of there's no end to this was the hopelessness began to really press on him. And thank the Lord he's well now. The Old Testament saints, saints had to find hope in the promises of God. The promises of God. Have you ever noticed God doesn't seem to be in any kind of hurry whatsoever? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, I heard this years ago, and you'll hear me repeat it, and it was not said, said and meant to be disrespectful at all. It's just an observation from this human side of life. Uh, I heard a preacher one time say, did you ever notice that God's the slowest one person you've ever met for always being on time? Because we always say, God's always on time. He is always on time. <laughs> but it's like, he's the slowest person for always being on time. And again, it wasn't meant to be disrespectful. It's just how we feel sometimes, and that hopelessness that can come there. Well, there's a, 
a beautiful verse about Abraham that just always amazes me and shocks me, and it's Romans 4.18, and it says this about Abraham, against all hope. Did you catch that little word? Against all hope. In other words, hope, all, all the facts, all the situations, all the circumstances, everything was hopeless. But against all hope, Abraham in what? In hope. Abraham in hope believed. Isn't that crazy? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. We sing these little Christmas songs, and there's one, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, you probably all sang that. There probably isn't an atheist uh, in the United States that hasn't sang Oh Little Town of Bethlehem sometime. And there's a little line that says, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. It all came crashing in. All those hopes and fears for years, for centuries, they were being met in Jesus the night of his birth. Mm, he's so good. So here we are. We're in November. Now, now, this is just the way I'm wired up. I mentioned that last week. Hope I didn't start family fights about Christmas and how I like to do Christmas and how I like to do Thanksgiving. Hopefully you all survived all that because uh, that's just my opinion how I like to do things. I generally don't get a mental process of Christmas until I see December 1st. Okay, December 1st is my marker. Now, I know some of you, it's like July, you know, that you get excited. And what, what brutal, I won't say evil, but it's wrong. Hallmark came out with Christmas in July movies. I was like, oh my goodness, no. We've already watched enough of those at our house, Christmas movies. I told Darlene just the other day, I said, if I see one more movie about some regular old American that goes over and meets a prince and falls in love and then becomes a princess, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do. I walk in, I go, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. The dog trainer is going to fall in love with the prince. I already figured out in three minutes who I was going to fall in love with each, each other. But I said, I just told you the other day, I can't take another one of these. She said, well, Meghan Markle, uh, ordinary American, met a, a prince. I said, okay, well, she was a little more than just an ordinary one. Probably helps if you're famous and a multimillionaire. But it's just the, the maid, the dog walker, everybody ends up falling in love with the prince. Okay. That's it. I think where it comes from is... Darlene sees that as her story in life, how she, just an ordinary woman, <laughs> met this prince, and, and so she, <laughs> she, she's amen in it, yeah. Amen, amen. So anyway, so, you know, I need December to really feel like Christmas, so we look at today and we go, but Tracy, this is November 27th, we're four days away from December, we're starting early. You know, we got to wait four more days until December actually begins. Well, I want you to think about how the Old Testament saints waited. You think we got to wait four days for December? We're going to look at Micah. Micah, an amazing prophet of God. By the way, a prophet's somebody who the Holy Spirit reveals something that's going to happen in the future, and they, they reveal that, and the Holy Spirit, and it's written down. And they're not fortune tellers, they're prophets, and so they're, they're talking about what the Holy Spirit has shown them. And so we're going to look at this, but I want you to know, Micah gets this vision, this word from the Lord about this upcoming day, about this king, this ruler that's coming. And it's such a beautiful picture if you want to read Micah. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful book, short little book, but a beautiful book. 
And it takes the first few chapters and sets up the whole problem that's going on in Israel and Judah and around because of the evilness of King Ahaz. And Micah writes these words about these coming day. And I don't know how much was revealed to Micah about when this would happen, but if he's like me and he's like you and he gets this vision from God, there's a great day coming, there's a new ruler coming, he probably, unless the Holy Spirit showed him, probably was saying, good, Ahaz is, Ahaz is going to get replaced by this ruler that the Holy Spirit has shown me. There's just one problem. He writes these words 700 years before the coming of the Messiah. 700 years, seven centuries before the Savior of the world comes, he's writing these words. Now, from a human perspective, it's just interesting because the Scripture says, when the time was just right, God sent his Son. I'm thinking... The time would be in just writing about Genesis 5, in my opinion, you know, to ascend the sun. Uh, but God has a, a system, and it doesn't always make sense to us. But I always pause and think, hold it. If there's a God, and I know there is, who can speak a galaxy into being, I have to trust he has a better timetable than I do. And so we just have to trust in this great big God that we serve. And so Micah's describing the sad situation, the Jewish people who are led by a king, King Ahaz, who's disobedient to God, the will of God, the ways of God, everything you can think of. And we're not going to read the first few chapters. I'll just tell you, Ahaz would not trust in God for help, but he would trust in pagan kings and alliances with them. Uh, he desecrated the temple. He set up little places of worship all over the towns where you could go to any corner and just worship any idol, any false god you wanted. Now, this is the god... This is the king of God's people, and this is the way he's behaving. He actually takes his son and kills him through the fires of Molech, a, a, a false god, a pagan god. Oh, our God's so good. Molech says this, do you want blessing in your life? Do you want a good life? Then let's murder your son and put him through the fires of Molech, where they're literally burned to death. And it's a whole gruesome process. You know what our God says? You want to have a blessed life? Do you want to have eternal life? I'll give you my son. Oh my goodness, what, what a great God. Amen. And we have a Jesus, because some people say, well, that seems kind of mean. And Jesus said, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised its shame. He was in on the plan. He was saying, yes, I am for this. And when I think about our good God, I am like that psalmist. What is man that you are mindful of us? What is it? I don't know. But here's what you need to say when you get to the end of your intellect. You can't figure out why you're loved so much. Just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. So he did all kinds of things. He took the Jewish temple treasury and and used it to make allegiances and alliance with heathen kings. He saw, uh, history says, he saw an, an, an altar, a pagan altar that so impressed him, he sent back plans to Uriah, the high priest of God, and told him to erect that pagan, that pagan altar in the temple of God. Wow, this guy is not going after God. And the list of his godless actions goes on and on and on and on and on. In response to all these horrible actions of this godless king, it caused so much strife and, and judgment and, and evil in, in the city and in the people of God 
But then God uses Micah. Micah's going to tell, I'm going to give you a glimpse at a better day. And he starts describing where this kind of evil be removed from Judah, be removed from, from Israel, and be removed from the earth. And so today, as we look around, if you haven't figured this out, it's a godless world. And I want to say this, it always has been. I, I'm not diminishing how awful things are, but I don't want you to ever get in your head, oh my goodness, we live in the worst time ever, nothing's ever been this bad. I, I'm very serious about that. Read your Old Testament, you will read stuff that is absolutely horrific. The behavior of people, the, the inhumanity to man, the, the list goes on and on and on. And so is the world uh, an awful, evil place apart from God? Absolutely. Has it always been apart from him? Yes, it has always been. And our only hope is, is Jesus. See, there are Christians, I think, that even get deceived thinking, I, I think if we, would, if we would cozy up to the world, if we'd be more like the world, see, that was Ahaz thinking, I want to be like the world. I want to worship their gods and their idols, and I want to make alliances and allegiances. And, and I think if we just all buddied up with one another, then things would be less stressful and would ease the tension. In some way, in a secular way, it might momentarily, but that's never been God's plan. You never see Jesus cozying up to the world. Do you see Jesus loving the world? The people of the world? Not the things of the world, but the people? Absolutely. He was so good at it that the people who hated him gave him this title. He's a friend of sinners. That's a great title, friend of sinners. He wasn't a sinner. He didn't become friends of sinners by acting and behaving like sinners because that's, a, that's, total, that's not Christianity. That's not the scripture at all. You and I are called to live a life that's different than the world. And when we live a life different than the world, it needs to be something that's beautiful, that they actually see it and want to glorify God. It's not supposed to be something that seems hateful and vindictive and mean. Now, I get this. You, me, any human being, when they're doing something, they want people to support it and encourage it and celebrate it. That's me, you, or anybody. So you will seem hateful at times when you have no intention of being, just because you say, I'm sorry, I, I can't celebrate that. God doesn't celebrate that. I can't celebrate that. And so the world offers all kinds of things. God's always called us out of the world and to be separate from the world, but to also be beautiful to the world. Because Andy Stanley coined this phrase, maybe somebody else did before him, but I thought it was so good. He said, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. I thought, huh, isn't that interesting? People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Now, the self-righteous, holier-than-thou people who was afraid that he might step, Jesus might step on their little kingdom, they didn't like Jesus. But sinners, tax collectors, the, the whole world, there was something that drew them to Jesus. And it wasn't that he was behaving like them. There was something different about him. And there can be something different about us as well. So we look at Micah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans or the tribes of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient of times, or ancient of days. In other words, it's going to be God. It's not going to be a human being. It's going to be God. Micah 5, 4 and 5. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live how? Securely. And they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace. Wow. 
Good job, Micah. Good job, Holy Spirit, sharing this with Micah. Micah 5.9, your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies. It, that's a beautiful promise, isn't it? Your hands will be lifted up in triumph. That'll be the truth of this Messiah, of this Savior. And when it's true of your ruler, it's true of you. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. See, this Christmas season that we're getting ready to move into, and I really want to encourage you because I've done it right and wrong in my life. There's, uh, there's times, many times over the years, where you get rolling in the Christmas season, and, you know, time moves by anyway, but just like December's gone, and you're watching the ball drop in New York City, and you're going, where, where'd Christmas go? Where, where did it go? Well, we believers, we need to slow down, and we need to, to relax, and we need to really keep Jesus the central part of our, of our season, of our celebration, of our life. And so I want to encourage you, uh, slow down. This Christmas season reminds us of this great shepherd, Jesus, who's born in Bethlehem. And here's what it reminds us of. He has come. He's not going to come. He has come. He has come. Our Savior has come. And he's living out his purposes in the earth. Now, here's the kind of the scary thing. He's living out his purposes in the earth through us. We are the church, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Isn't that amazing? He's living it out through us. Now, I don't know. I just said another show of hands. Um, I got turned on to this show. I think Johnny Budd and V. Budd told me about Chosen back several years ago. So I watched the series Chosen. And uh, it's free to watch. You can get an app, Chosen. You can watch it. So it was free. I watched the first one and sent money in. I said, everybody needs to see this. Uh, there's very few things I've seen that's biblical that I even recommend. Uh, there was just a movie not long ago about Noah. Uh, who starred in that movie? Ru Russell? Was it Russell Crowe? No one knows? Okay. Somebody said Dennis Quaid? No. Oh, it was Russell Crowe? Okay, Russell Crowe. Somebody asked me, what do you think about the movie? I said, first of all, I thought it was a fantastic Hollywood movie. As far as Bible, there was a Noah and an ark and a flood, and that's about the only things that even was biblical at all about it. It was a great Hollywood movie. I mean, if you'd never heard the story, you'd probably leave and say, wow, I need to read my Bible more. That was an amazing story I just saw. Although when you read the story, you say it wasn't anything like that. Now, it seems like a lot of Christian movies are like that. I tell you, Chosen is crowd-funded and crowd-sourced and is amazing. And, uh, and I'll get royalties for promoting this, I'm sure. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not ever heard of that, Get the app, watch it on your phone, smart device, throw it to your TV, watch that. Well, they just had a movie with the first two uh, eps of season three. And so we went and watched it at the movie. And the, what's so good about it is just how human you start realizing how everybody is. Because I just said that the world's going to change, and Jesus is already changing the world through us. Well, Jesus gets all his disciples together and said, hey, we're going to start spreading this thing. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit here. This is not a spoiler. You'll still enjoy the movie, even though you know this. And he says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you out two by two. And all of a sudden, they go, I thought, that's exactly the way I would have been. You know, they're sitting there. It's kind of cool when Jesus goes out and does everything, and you're just setting up the chairs, you know, and doing the back stuff. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, we're going to use you. He says, okay, uh, you know, you two are going to, it's like, questions, hold it. What? 
you got to be kidding me. And you just see, like, the tension in their faces, like, like, we were really cool when you were doing all this, but you're sending us out to do this? And so today you might say, it's awesome, Jesus changed the world. Yeah, he's changing the world through you, through me. Questions? Hold it. Uh, what about, uh, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> he's changing the world through us. I want to tell you, just relax and just be a believer everywhere you go. You don't have to. I, I decided years ago, and it's still a struggle with me, I just have to take all the pressure off of trying to make anything happen because I figure I can't do anything. Apart from him, I can do nothing. They say, well, I expect you to do this and this. Well, unless God shows up, unless Jesus shows up, which he has, then I have to trust totally in him. So you just need to relax and just go be Jesus everywhere in the earth. Go be a genuine believer. Because if you'll read your New Testament, you'll find out there's not a lot in there about, I'm going to make you, you know, a minister to the multitudes. I'm going to raise you up as a prophet to the nations. I'm going to do, there will be some of that. Most of it is honestly this. Hey, believers, go live such good lives among the unbelievers that they see your good deeds and they glorify our Father in heaven. Okay, well, I, I could do that. And so it's just this, go live it. Go let your light shine. Go, go, go be an example. When everybody else is losing their cool, you can keep yours. When everybody else is getting enraged, you can stay calm. Just God will develop that spirit in you and they'll say something's different about this person. So, Jesus has come. He's using us. He's going to accomplish everything that he's said he's going to accomplish. And yes, I'm not taking away, there will be a day when Jesus sets up a kingdom here on planet Earth. But right now, we are him on planet Earth. That's what the scripture teaches. This is not something I made up. It's what the scripture teaches. So you and I need hope. We need hope. That's the focus of the first day of Advent today, hope. We need hope because probably some of you have wayward loved ones who need to really get serious about a relationship with Jesus. And sometimes it just seems, how long will this go on? Hey, you know what? I have hope. I have hope. Against all hope, in hope, I will believe. Some of you may be struggling with a physical illness, and you just say, how long, O Lord? How long? Well, against all hope, in hope, I will believe. I will trust the Lord. We need to have hope that our suffering will cease. We need to have hope that our spiritual lives will thrive. We need to have hope that we will be an agent of hope to others. We need to have hope. I think it's a great beginning to Advent. Is that perfect that it was chosen that the first Sunday of Advent was hope, a focus on hope. I want to talk about our mission for the week. You don't have to fall down to do this mission either. You don't have to end up on the floor saying, okay, I'll practice these things. This is something we all can do. Here's our mission for the week. Let's focus on hope. Now that sounds so much easier. It's easier to focus on hope if you're not here today having a sense of hopelessness. And I think God's up something. Just what Alexis was even sharing as she began, I thought, wow, that's just kind of what we're talking about, about having hope. You know, all these things you can go through and all these distractions and all this anger and anything that can come up. You know, hey, let's focus on hope. Now you say, how? How are we going to focus on hope? We're going to watch our words. We're going to watch our thoughts. We're going to watch our hearts. Because hopelessness will begin as a thought or something that you feel in your heart. And you just have to stop and say, hold it. Against all hope, in hope, I will believe. Against all hope, in hope, I will believe. And we just have to say, God, Help me have the faith of Abraham. 
I'm filled with your spirit. Help me have the faith of Abraham. The, the faith of Abraham who against all hope, in hope, believed. So I want you to think, what is a, a hopeless situation I feel like I have? Maybe I'm serious about this. Maybe it's been hopeless for so long, you don't even recognize that you're hopeless anymore. You've actually totally given up. You're not, even, you're not even holding on to hope anymore. Well, I want to say, there's hope for that situation. And Jesus is our hope. Where will my hope come from? My hope comes from God, the Bible says. And so we're going to watch that. We're going to trust the great shepherd, the great shepherd Jesus, to lead us into hope. That's the beautiful thing about sheep and shepherds. You, 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 you drive cattle. I don't know if you know that. If you ever watch an old western, they drive cattle. But shepherds lead sheep. He leads you beside still waters. He leads you into righteousness. He leads you. And so the shepherd's leading. And what's our job? To hear his voice and follow. Jesus will naturally lead you into hope. And then here's a verse that, I don't know, I've lost track of how long it's grabbed my heart, maybe at least a year, maybe two. It's Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope, I just love that description of our God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all peace. Now here's a responsibility for us. Did you notice this? As you trust in him. As you trust in him. There's this little assignment in there. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're not careful, this is me, you, everybody, we try to figure up our own ways to feel, well, I'll, I know I'll get some hope because I'll try this or I'll try that. Just what Alexis was talking about. I'll try this, I'll do that, I'll try that. No, Holy Spirit. Where do you say, Holy Spirit, you know, I'm trusting you to fill me with all hope. We're going to pray together. And I, I want to, this, this Advent season... I'm going to throw something up here. You don't have to do this. It's just something I decided to do because I want to make sure Christmas doesn't escape me and it had no spiritual impact on me. It's just a bunch of busyness. So I think in the announcements there was a slide that said uh, uh, Gospel Life. And so if you can find that, throw that up here. There's a gospelandlife.com forward slash advent. Uh, the Kellers, Tim Keller and his wife, have a daily devotion. It's free. Now they will ask for your name and email and I've given it to him years ago, and you won't get a bunch of junk mail. Now, you will get things from them, which you can unsubscribe to. They'll send you some things, but you can unsubscribe from that if you want to. And every day, you will have, starting today, every day, you will have a devotional by uh, Mr. or Mrs. Keller, and I really respect them. And you don't have to do this one, but I would say, find something. Find some Advent Bible study devotional. Here's one that's just free, and you can enjoy that. And that's the one I'm doing. Maybe we can all do it together.